It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day of the week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Stitcher, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to all of your favorite podcasts here across the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, where every single Friday throughout the season, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Except this week, I don't believe I'll be doing that because it'll be Black Friday. I usually record the day before, and that day would be Thanksgiving. So you can still send me in questions. I'll try and factor them in at some point this week. Maybe I'll do a Wednesday mailbag. Matter of fact, what's planned on a Wednesday mailbag? Unless something changes. So go ahead and get those questions into me by either adding me or deeming me. But first, make sure to follow me at Julian Council. Your Carolina Panthers fall at home 27-21 to against Ron Rivera and the Washington football team, dropping to 5-6 and six on the season this Sunday afternoon. Well, damn. Carolina, homecoming for, obviously, Cam Newton, who electrified the crowd and warm-ups as he ran out of the tunnel. Of course, I'd said earlier this week, there's no way they can do defensive introductions this Sunday. They did offensive, and to hear Cam Newton's name called out on the PA once again gave me, and I'm sure everyone across Carolina Panthers Nation, goosebumps down their spine and throughout their body for number one ace boogie to run out that tunnel in a Carolina Panthers uniform, something that we didn't think was ever going to happen again. A lot of us, at least, didn't believe. I know there's plenty of you who were lobbying for this to happen, and you were certainly fine to believe that. And it made a lot of sense for the Panthers to do it. I just never thought that we would see this day. So that was awesome to see. Uh, Cam had challenged the um, fans to come out and to be excited and to fill the place up, and they certainly did that. The challenge was met. But unfortunately, the Carolina Panthers team on the field was not up to the challenge on Sunday afternoon. And we do this... Every single time the team loses, we play the blame game. Who do you blame? Is it the offense's fault? Is it the defense's fault? Well, with this team in particular, it's never just one thing. I understand that most of the criticism right now post-game has been on the Carolina Panthers' defense, which, of course, they did not have a good football game. I only gave it 27 points, but you look at the amount of possessions that they gave up in terms of time of possession, where Washington controlled it 35, about 24, and you add in a couple more seconds or whatever to even it out to 60. Um, the Panthers' offense just wasn't out there. Cam Newton brought up the situation where the team went up 14-7, and next time the offense was out on the field, they were down 21-14. to 14. So Washington offensively 
had a fantastic game. And this was brought up on the broadcast by Kevin Kugler, who was calling the game Mark Sanchez. When the Panthers have struggled defensively and they've lost games, it's been because of their inability to stop the run. And once again, today, whether it was Antonio Gibson running the football or J.D. McKissick or even Taylor Heineke, the Panthers struggled. 190 yards on the ground for Washington on average, and the Panthers' losses coming into this game. They were giving up close to 158 yards rushing per game in their losses, and the wins, about 56 yards rushing per game. So that basically is the key to victory, at least one of the keys to victory when it comes to the Carolina Panthers each week defensively. And we've seen teams like Dallas, like Minnesota, like New England, and today like the Washington football team, physical on the offensive line, be able to run it on a more lean front the Carolina Panthers have by playing that 3-4 and having smaller guys like Brian Burns and like Hassan Reddick out there trying to stop the run. Another player who's been fantastic all season long for the Panthers, who you did not hear anything from today, was Shaq Thompson. Only four tackles on the day. I honestly forgot Shaq was playing because I never seemed to hear his his name today in the loss to the Washington football team. So defense wasn't great. You also look at the team stats for Washington. They had those two fourth down conversions. One of them were Taylor Heineke was running all over the field and he was able to complete the pass to, to move the drive forward. They also had another one that led to a scoring drive. Six for 13 overall third down. So that's eight of 15 over half of their Fourth and third down attempts were converted. Not a key to victory for the Carolina Panthers. And here's the thing, too. I understand that there's a lot of consternation and people are pissed off and upset every time the Panthers lose. And David Tepper, the owner, is right there with you. And the defense wasn't great today. And honestly, moving forward, the formula for these teams, as we've seen, is to be physical and to try and run it down the Panthers' throat. If they're able to do that, by and large, they've had success and they've come out with the win throughout the season. You also have to look at the fact that Washington, Heineke, he played his tail off. I did not expect Taylor Heineke to play the way he played today, and it's certainly disappointing for the Panthers to allow him to have the day that he did today where he completed 16-22 passes, 206 yards, three touchdowns, 141.3 passer rating. Perfect passer rating is 158.3, so he was damn near perfect today. Didn't put up big yards, but he did score. And he did make plays, and he was off-platform, figuring things out, doing some backyard football stuff that you never want to see happen against your team. He just made plays. Terry McLaurin had another big day where he cooked Dante Jackson a few times. Five receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Here's the thing. Terry McLaurin's a good football player. Yeah, it stinks to see Dante Jackson give up those big plays. I know there's plenty of people out there who are asking where's Stephon Gilmore and all this. Whenever he was on Terry McLaurin, we didn't see those big plays given up. Gilmore said after the game still that he's just not there physically to play the amount of snaps a lot of folks here in Carolina want to see him play. While in the meantime, Dante has to be better. But let's understand that Dante Jackson has still had a good season. A bad day for him and a lot of folks on that defense. It was said after the game by... Stephon Gilmore, and by Dante Jackson that a lot of guys just did not do their job on Sunday. It comes down to that. Simply, the Carolina Panthers did not execute to the level and the ability that they have, and that was required for them to beat the Washington football team on Sunday. It's that simple. Is this a bad defense? Obviously not. They're still a great unit, but they do have flaws when it comes to stopping the run against physical offensive lines. And as we've seen in the past, Dante Jackson 
is liable to give up some big plays to very good wide receivers. Like, Terry McLaurin's not some bum. That's the thing about it. Like, people get upset. It's like the touchdown pass they gave up to number one, who I've never even heard of that guy in Washington. Be upset with that. Fine, because I don't know who that guy is. Terry McLaurin, you want you don't want to see him burning anyone in your secondary, but, like, he's a good player. Heineke played a good game. It's the old saying, those guys get paid too. That's what happened. It's a complete and total buzzkill, obviously, for the Panthers' defense that was awesome last week against Arizona, albeit against a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, but didn't matter. They went on the road, and they kicked ass. And they come in today at home with that atmosphere. Everyone jacked up for Cam Newton being back here in Carolina to just not be able to get off the field, which was one of the issues that they had last season and to have the personnel that they have today on this roster to not be able to have a better performance is frustrating, especially in those key situations. It happens. The only time that they were able to really get off the field was when Morgan Fox stripped Antonio Gibson of the football and they were able to recover. Frankie Louvre on a recovery there. And outside of that, it was Washington pretty much doing whatever they wanted to do throughout the football game. Not encouraging, at least for one Sunday. But again, it's just one day. They're still a good team. Was still a good unit. Just unfortunately, they weren't up to the task today against Ron Rivera's offense and Scott Turner's offense, and Washington came out with the victory. Now, offensively, it wasn't like things were perfect either. We'll get into the offense and Cam Newton's return to Charlotte and his debut back at Bank of America Stadium in just a moment. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, the blame game continues as the Carolina Panthers fall at home to the Washington football team 27-21. Riverboat Ron comes back to Carolina, gets his revenge, even though he says no hard feelings for being fired here. He's up in Washington, went to the playoffs last year. Now his team has back-to-back victories. They're up to 4-6 and six and firmly back in the running for the NFC Wild Card. as we'll get into that conversation here in a few minutes as well as a lot of teams 
below the Carolina Panthers, took care of business on Sunday and changes the complexion of the NFC wildcard race here in week 11 for the Carolina Panthers as they head into week 12 against the Miami Dolphins on the road. But the story outside of Ron returning was obviously the return of Cam Newton. And by and large, he was really good today. Considering the fact that he's only been here for 10 days, that he doesn't not have a full grasp of the playbook, he played well. 21 to 27, 189 yards, two touchdowns, is only sacked once at the end of the game there to close out the game. 120.5 passer rating. He also had the rushing touchdown where he ran over to midfield at the logo, planted the football down, and did, did the Superman pose, the celebration that he was so famous for all those nine years in Carolina. And he was asked by Scott Fowler after the game, Scott Fowler, the columnist of the Charlotte Observer, just about the emotions and what led him to do that. He talks about November 21st being his resurrection day back at the University of Florida. As many of you, I'm sure, remember, Cam Newton was arrested for some issue with laptops. I don't really remember whether he stole them or not. That's just what he was accused of, was arrested that day. And he talks about how that's always an important day for him to be able to turn around his direction. And that's why he was so emotional after scoring that touchdown. You can also just think about what he's been through the last 10 days. And it was obviously emotional for him and for everyone and obviously super exciting to see Cam Newton score. And he had 10 rushes on the day for 46 yards and a touchdown as long as the 24, which was that touchdown run where he did that celebration. So I thought Cam, for the most part, was good. Like I can't blame any of this on Cam Newton considering the circumstances, how he actually went out there and played. Sure, he missed a couple throws. You would have loved for him to brought the team back there in the final minute of the game, but just didn't happen. And Matt Rule, and here's one of the situations that we look at too when looking at this game. Matt Rule has never seemed to be that decisive in his decision-making when it comes to timeouts and controlling the game clock and all that at the end of the game there about three minutes left the Carolina Panthers had a fourth down and three they initially decided to bring on the punt team but Matt Rule said after the game he wanted to actually go for it because Cam Newton did not have a full grasp of the two-minute offense here in Carolina as he's only spent 10 days here and he only spent the last week running the majority of the snaps of the first team and mind you they came into today with the thought that P.J. Walker would play. So they thought about putting him in at that situation, but considering how Cam had played and gotten them there, they weren't going to put P.J. Walker. Fans also would have went berserk had Cam Newton been dragged out of that game with that atmosphere and a chance to have a storybook ending, another lie that you, you can't even make a lie this good situation here in Carolina and Charlotte with Cam. But Matt Rule decided, okay, That's what we want to do. But apparently that was not communicated well enough to Chase Blackburn and to the special teams and to the entire team where they had to use a timeout. A timeout in the end did not come to bite them in the butt because Antonio Gibson, who gave away the fumble, also ran out of bounds late there in the fourth quarter after the two-minute warning that gave the Carolina Panthers more time on the clock than there should have been. Like, they should not have gotten the ball back with about a minute 10. Instead, they had about a minute 45, I believe, was left on the clock with no timeouts left still. But either way, for Matt Rule in that situation, it's like if you aren't ready, if you know you want to go for it, you got to do a better job of communicating. Carolina doesn't get it there. We can have the conversation of whether McCaffrey was there or not. And the last time Cam Newton made a start in Charlotte on September 12th, I believe 2019, that Thursday night game against the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we had a similar situation. We're at the end of the game. Cam, go, they go to, to McCaffrey, and it's like, did he get it? Did he not? And once again, they were just a hair short 
of not getting to the 35-yard line, which forced him to punt. And then, again, later on, forced a situation where Cam actually had to go out there and try and execute the two-minute drill. And I don't blame him at all. Uh, the one thing when I look at this offense, as we kind of shift our attention to their performance of the, on the day, the Carolina Panthers offense, to me, still feels entirely too reliant on Christian McCaffrey as a playmaker, which I get it. You know my feelings on Christian McCaffrey. I think he's a fantastic player, the best running back in the league, when healthy, and I want the ball in his hands as much as possible. So he had 10 carries, 59 yards, had seven receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. So 17 touches, which is, I think, about where most fans want him to be. Have, that's where most fans want him at, excuse me. Other than that, like DJ Moore, five receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown, which came on the opening drive, the nine-play, 75-yard drive where the Panthers had three passes to six rushes, which was perfect. It was a perfect start from Joe Brady, perfect start from Cam Newton, got the ground game going, got DJ involved, got CMC involved, and set up Cam, easy throws, and that perfect play call there at the end for him to score that touchdown throwing to DJ Moore. Other than that, Robbie Anderson had five receptions for 30 yards, but just no big plays. That's the thing. Like Everything seems to be underneath. It's like, all right, let's put Christian McCaffrey in one of these choice routes where he has a choice based on how he's being played by the linebacker or corner, whoever's lined up on him, typically a linebacker, where he's either going to run an out route or he's going to run an in route, and that's where they're going to go. And typically for him, those are impossible to stop, which is great. You know you can go to that on third down, which they try to go to that there on fourth down, caught the ball. Just didn't get the necessary yardage. At least that can be, that's one opinion. That's what the ref said. I'm certainly, I'm sure there's other opinions out there that say that he was there and that they just didn't give it to him. It's bad officiating. I don't know. Either way, I just feel like the Carolina Panthers are still missing those big chunk plays. McCaffrey had the touchdown reception, the 27-yard touchdown throw from Cam. That was perfect. And we can look at Cam's performance also and say, the arm to me certainly looks to be just fine for Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. But the offense just, they're lacking the explosiveness that you want to see. They, they were able to go out there and they were able to execute at points and times. But for me, there's just still too many peaks and valleys. I'm just not seeing enough. It's only one week of Cam as a starter. So I'm not freaking out here. I think you get to Miami next week. Hopefully, you can win that football game. Get the bye out of the bye with the final five weeks of the season. That's where you want to see this thing humming within reason of Cam Newton just coming in here and still trying to learn the offense. It's hard to come in at the end of the season, as you guys know, and try to learn this system and to be the leader of this offense and to be able to hit on those big-time plays, and maybe that's just not something they have a part of the playbook right now. That That's reasonable to wonder. I'm just saying I want to see that moving forward. What I would also like to see is this offense better on third down? And we've seen in weeks past, when they have struggled, when they have lost games, back when Sam Darnold was starting for them, they were bad on third down. You can blame the defense for giving up 8 of 15 on third and fourth down. For the Panthers today, they were 2 of 9 on third down, 1 of 3 on fourth down. That's 3 of 12. That's just not going to win you football games. The defense was not good. I understand that. You can bring that up, but you also cannot ignore, as Cam brought up, as Matt Rule brought up, as McCaffrey and everyone who spoke to the media on Sunday brought up, they have to execute. You can't just, they couldn't stay on the field. The defense couldn't stay out the field. You look at both of those situations, that leads to a loss against a Washington team that was very beatable at home in a game where 
I think everyone felt coming in they should have won in the way that they played today. Did they play well enough to win? Obviously not. Had they played well enough to win, they probably would have won. This was not a Philadelphia Eagles situation that we saw earlier in the year where it was just an inexplicable loss. They bring up penalties. Washington actually had more penalties in Carolina on the day. Eight penalties for 69 yards, and they turned the football over. Well, Carolina had seven for 65 yards. You don't want to see that, of course, but they didn't lose a turnover battle. Washington had two boneheaded mistakes by Gibson that I brought up earlier with the fumble that took away at least three points really felt like they took away seven points and the running out of bounds which gave Carolina more time than they should have had there in that final drive that of course stalled out after Cam Newton got sacked around midfield either way offensively just they cannot go where you look in the second half they only got four possessions low possession game just based off of your defense not being able to get off the field you can't go punt touchdown downs downs like this is like the offensive drives of the day. You have the nine yard play, seventy-five yard touchdown drive. They open the game. Then you go punt, punt, punt. Get the touchdown. Then they kneel down at the end of the half. Then again, like I brought up in the second half, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Is that that's not enough? There's just too many peaks and valleys where you look at some of these drives. Too, it's like okay, it's the touchdown drive, and it's three and out. It's three and out. It's not just like they're running eight plays and then they're stalling out. Like they are stalling out multiple times where you had three drives where they only ran three or four plays, which is just not good enough. And they have to be better in those respects. So I just, I bring that up to also recognize that it's not just the defense that cost Carolina Panthers on Sunday. It's also the offense's inability to execute on third down. They weren't all, they obviously weren't in great situation. A lot of times they got behind the chains, which is why they bring up the penalties that did not set them up for success at points in times. They're on third down. All that being said, they have to be better if they want to win moving forward. And moving forward, they have to be more consistent, which was the key going into the game and a challenge for the week. And looking at the rest of the NFC wildcard picture, the Carolina Panthers must find a way starting next week and beyond to find some level of consistency. We'll look at where they are now in the NFC playoff and wildcard race in just a moment. Built Bar is by far the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. The Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. Another great thing about Built Bar, there are so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. This month over at Built Bar, they are coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's using promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Thanksgiving week and we all know what that means. 
football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving week. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops. NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, they're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. A few other things I want to point out here before we get to looking at the NFC wild card picture for the Carolina Panthers. Um, John Miller was back at right guard starting today in place of Trent Scott, who was in his place over the last couple weeks as John Miller was on IR, which meant the Carolina Panthers started their eighth offensive line starting combination in 11 games this season and likely now will be their ninth going into next week, depending on how the status of Dennis Daly plays out throughout the week as he had an injury to his glute, missed the majority of the game, which meant Brady Christensen played at left tackle and I want to give another round of applause for the offensive line and their ability to protect Cam Newton. Only one sack given up on the day. They ran the ball fairly effectively. I think mainly a round of applause for them. I thought they played fairly well. And that's back-to-back weeks where the offensive line found some consistency. And that was a challenge heading into the week for the Carolina Panthers to find some sort of consistency since that has not been there throughout the season. Last week, Matt Rule talked about how Arizona was one of their most complete performances when you when you factor in the offense, the defense, and special teams. He also brought up New Orleans in week two and Atlanta a couple weeks ago. So consistency, that's what they wanted to see. That was the challenge and the goal this week. And for Carolina, they just weren't consistent. Couldn't get off the field. Couldn't stay on the field. And that's kind of been the story. At least not getting off the field has not been a story unless they play teams that have physical offensive lines that we brought up today. Like Air, like not like not Arizona, but like um Minnesota, like Dallas, uh, like New England, and then today against the Washington football team, a team that knew they want to come out here and run the ball. And Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, he said early in the season after the Dallas game that teams were gonna look at that film and figure out how they were going to be able to beat the Panthers. And a couple of them, as we've seen over the last couple weeks and months, have found a way to attack the Carolina Panthers' defense and get after them. And not just that, but also just like offensively, they haven't been great on third down, and they weren't great on third down again today. And that's one of the situations you look at it. I know everyone wants to play the blame game after every single loss, which is what we do here, and that's kind of part of what I have to do here on the podcast. But it was a total team effort and the reason why they lost today. Kicking game, Zane Gonzalez, credit to him. Didn't miss an extra point. Wasn't asked to kick a field goal today. He's been nailed since he brought he's brought here to Carolina. So I give him a lot of credit. Can't blame special teams. But the offense wasn't good enough. The defense wasn't good enough. And that's just an issue for the Carolina Panthers. And that's kind of how you look at it today. And it's not like it's going to carry on moving forward next week against Miami. Do I expect the Dolphins to be able to run the football in Carolina? No, I don't expect that to happen. Miami's now won two games in a row. They have to feel good about themselves. Tua's played all right. I did not watch the Thursday night football game uh, against the Ravens because I'm not watching that mess, and I definitely didn't watch the game against the Jets. But all I know is the Dolphins have won two games, and the Carolina Panthers have to go on the road. Now, the last couple games that they played on the road in Arizona and in Atlanta are two of their most complete performances of the season. Now, here's an issue, though. 
If you want to be a playoff team like the Carolina Panthers claim they want to be, you cannot be 2-4 and four at home. It just is not going to work for this team. You look at the rest of the teams in the NFC playoff race. They all got wins today. Philadelphia got the win against New Orleans. Where did they get their win at? At home. Now, the Eagles have not been a good home team this year. They're only 1-4 and four at home. So, let's not sit here and act like Philadelphia has one at home. Washington, who won on the road today, is now 2-3 and three on the season. They're 2-3 and three on, on the road and at home. So, good for them. Minnesota, a big game against the Green Bay Packers. A thriller, if any of you were able to get your eye on that one as well on Sunday afternoon. They win against Green Bay. They're 3-2 and two at home. Uh, let's see. Who else played? San Francisco. They played... What were they playing? Jacksonville or was that at home? They played in Jacksonville, but they got the win. And here's the thing that's important about that. Now, the Carolina Panthers are 2-4 at home. None of these wildcard teams are great at home. But you're going to have to be able to hold serve at the end of the season at home if you want to be a playoff team, the Carolina Panthers. That is a the larger point here. And I look at the records as I pointed out to those other NFC teams at home, like Philadelphia 1-4, Washington 2-3. Minnesota three and two, uh, New Orleans two and two, Carolina two and four, San Francisco one and four, and then we can count Seattle at one and three. None of those teams are playing well at home this season, which is a reason why they're all right here in the wild card hunt for that six and seven seed. All that said, next in a couple weeks after the bye after Atlanta, you got to win that game at home. You got to find a way to get the win against Tampa Bay at home because you got tough road games in Buffalo. Who I get it, they got nuked on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. You still got to go to the Superdome, and they looked terrible on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Same thing. You got Tampa Bay on the road. I get all those. Like, those are not going to necessarily be easy games. It's a week-to-week league, and it's we can't get too ahead of ourselves as what we kind of did last week coming off of the high, and not even off the high, being on cloud nine with Cam coming back and the efficiency of scoring two touchdowns in nine snaps last week and how we look today and just being excited about what the defense and the energy this Carolina Panthers team had, but that energy just did not carry over to this week. And that's kind of where they talk about having the consistency that you need week in and week out. But moving forward, the Carolina Panthers got to find a way to win some of these games at home. And two of them, especially the Tampa one, they're going to be the biggest games that they play all season long at home at Bank of America Stadium. And Cam talked about being the, bringing the pride back. Like fans, certainly, they showed up today, and they came, they saw, and unfortunately, Carolina Panthers on the field just did not conquer the Washington football team. And it happens. It's frustrating. It stinks. And now moving forward, when you look at the rest of the NFC, like I mentioned, Philadelphia gets the win today. Um, the good thing about that is New Orleans loses, but New Orleans is already still ahead of Carolina despite the loss. Um, Washington, unfortunately, of course, they come here, they get the win. Minnesota gets the win against Green Bay. They almost threw that one away. I think there was some overturned call there where it looked like Kirk Cousins was intercepted and said he wasn't intercepted. I don't know what the hell happened there. Um, but they're 5-5. Five and five. They got the win. Chicago found a way to lose a Tyler Huntley and the uh, Baltimore Ravens. A great weekend for the University of Utah. Shout out to Steve Smith as a Utes knockoff Oregon. Blow them out on Sunday, on Saturday night on ABC. And then one of their great alums gets the win for the uh, for the uh, the Ravens. But whatever. Um, Atlanta, they stink. They lost on Thursday night. They're four and six. Uh, San Francisco, five and five with the win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But looking at the playoffs get, uh, standings right now in the NFC for Carolina, who it stinks. Like they came in in seventh place. They lose. Uh, the top five, is, as I've said, Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa, Los Angeles, the Rams, they're all going to the playoffs. Now, the rest of the two, I have no idea. Minnesota moves up to the number six seed as they're five and five. New Orleans is five and five as well. Um, San Francisco is five and five. Philadelphia is five and six. But 
they own a tiebreaker against Carolina, and the Panthers are five and six, and Washington's below them at four and six, and Atlanta's below them at four and six. And good, I'm now looking at this. I'm just kind of like the NFC East. The Panthers lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to Washington, and they lost to the Giants. How can you be a playoff team if you cannot beat three terrible teams in the NFC East? I keep hearing the conversation that there's no good team in the NFL. Like, there's no great team in the NFL. There's plenty of good teams at the top. Like, there's five teams in this conference, and who I mentioned just earlier: Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, Tampa, Los Angeles. Those are good teams. All those teams could reasonably win the Super Bowl this season. I can see that happening. I don't know who's going to win it in the NFL. I thought going the season would be L.A. Losing Robert Woods stinks for them, but they also added Von Miller. They got OBJ. I I don't know how it's going to work out. It's not my problem. I quite frankly don't care until the playoffs are there and the Carolina Panthers aren't aren't in the seat or or not playing or they're in it. I don't know. I'm not really concerned about L.A. But if you want to be a playoff team, you can't lose to the Eagles at home. You can't lose to the Giants on the road, and you can't lose to Washington at home either. Just some really, and you lose to Minnesota, just some really bad losses for the Carolina Panthers that they've suffered at home. That's where I look at that stat, and I get it. Like I mentioned, a lot of teams in the NFC playoff race aren't great at home either, but those are some key games against other teams in the same spot as you that you're not getting. Of course, the majority of those came with Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback. He's no longer the starting quarterback here in Carolina, but with Cam Newton as a starter, they still draft a, team, a game against an NFC East opponent. Now, I didn't think they were going to beat Arizona last week, and Kyler Murray not playing, uh, Nuke Hopkins not playing, Watt being out for the season, that factor in, yeah, whatever. I, as I said last week, and I'll say again right now, the Panthers were winning that game based off of the energy alone of getting Cam Newton back and the two touchdowns that he scored. Arizona was not winning that football game. Now, Carolina gave him one back where now we're looking at it, hopefully best-case scenario heading into the final four weeks of the season, which we pointed out here on this show throughout the season and the offseason. Best-case scenario, Carolina gets to win next week against Miami, gets back to 500. We'll see where that factors him in in terms of the playoff picture. But the season, you're going to keep hearing it. You know, if the season ended today, the Carolina Panthers would be out of the playoffs and finishing 10th. Well, the season does not end today. There are 17 games. There are 18 weeks. So it doesn't really matter. Get back to 500 next week. Get the bye. Have Cam Newton have a better understanding of the offense and the two-minute drill so Matt Rule's not sitting here trying to figure out, well, the analytics say that we should punt here, but Cam doesn't know the offense well enough. Should I put in P.J.? Oh, miscommunication. Oh, darn, let me call timeout. Didn't hurt him in the end, but we got to get that fixed. It will come with time of Cam getting more reps, which he should be getting all of the reps, not the majority of the reps, in practice so he has a firm grasp and understanding of this offense, particularly in the areas of concern for Matt Rule and the coaching staff heading into this week and potentially next week against Miami. Get the 6-6, and get the bye, come back. You got Atlanta. You got to kick their ass. 7-6, and which we talked about before the season started. You can get to 7-6. and 8-5 and would be... Hopefully you get there. You got a chance. You got to steal one or two, 
but you got a chance. And we talk about stealing one or two. You got to get the win at home against Tampa. I don't know where the situ- where they're going to be situationally there. It seems like every single team in the NFC is going to be playing for something all the way up to the final week of the season. I guess everyone except for uh, who's in except for Detroit. Obviously, they suck. Uh, so not Detroit. Um, Chicago, probably not them either. And, you know, Atlanta, probably not them either. But, you know, they're still in it. And they're like a lot of these teams sitting right here in the wild card who think they have a chance, even though they're just not a very good team. The Carolina Panthers, very good defense. Didn't play well today. Offense has still left a lot to be desired. They're just an okay team. They made a lot of moves to win now with Gilmore and Cam. And then they've done some for the future, like C.J. Henderson. And they're still a young football team. So the expectations and for the fans and from me and for, from I guess the outsider probably different than what they really should be. And it's hard to really sit here and, and understand where exactly or what exactly should be, we be expecting because cams here. You're trying to save the season, right? Trying to get to the playoffs. That's the expectation. That's the hope. But also it's like, man, it's a year two of Matt rule. He's certainly shown that he is still figuring out the job here in the NFL. Joe Brady offense, Chris Sims, has said multiple times in the last couple of weeks that defenses have figured out Joe Brady and his offense. Maybe that's a little true. Young defense, fast defense, fun defense, still young defense. They have their flaws, like stopping to run. It's just, I don't really know what to think of this team. Maybe we'll get into it more throughout the week, or at least, well, whatever, how many other episodes that we have, just what the expectations really should be. I'm still saying that playoffs would be a disappointment just based off of the moves that they made. But in reality, like, should it be? I don't know. But Carolina has come back next week, obviously, and beat Miami. After that, get the bye, beat Atlanta. You got Buffalo. You, you got two against Tampa. You got New Orleans sandwich in between those two camp Tampa games. And you got to find a way to win, obviously, at least one of them. And that might be enough. But looking at just the tiebreakers amongst the, amongst the teams here in the NFC uh, playoff wild card picture for the Carolina Panthers. Like, you don't have a tiebreaker with Minnesota. You have it right now with New Orleans. You get another chance at them. You don't play San Francisco this year. You don't have the tiebreaker with Philly or Washington. That's not great. And then you look at your conference record as well. Here's the one thing that stands out for those wild card teams. Minnesota in the conference, 4-2. and two. New Orleans, 4-4. Four and four. San Francisco, 4-4. Four and four. Philadelphia, 4-3. Four and three. Washington, 4-2. and two. Carolina, 3-5. and five. So while they have not held serve at home like a lot of those other teams in the wild card race, they also have not been good enough within the NFC, and that's the second tiebreaker amongst these teams, especially non-divisional teams, after you factored in head-to-head if they played or not. So get back, try and find a consistency. If they don't find it, it's going to be tough to sit here and really believe that the playoffs is going to happen this year. Only one game, not burying this team at all division it was already a tough conversation to even have to think it was a reality now Tampa could still go out there and uh, lose we'll see what happens later on but still I I think the Panthers are are in a fine shape to make the playoffs they got to get three more wins at the very least they won't have a chance four would be great but starts off in Miami we're on to Miami all that kind of stuff so hopefully that happens and Hopefully you guys keep it locked here for the rest of the week on Locked on Panthers. Tuesday, we'll do our day after podcast. Um, Wednesday, might be doing a mailbag. That's what we're going to plan on for now. Also, might have a crossover episode with the host of Locked on Dolphins. There will be no shows on Thursday 
or Friday. Thursday's Thanksgiving. Why would you be listening to this anyway? Go spend time with your family. If you hate your family, I'm sorry. That stinks. But go find something else to do other than listen to me talk about the Panthers. Friday, it's Black Friday. Not technically a holiday. Please don't go fight someone for a TV or some other immaterial item out here. Don't do that. Don't be a jackass. And also, like, don't listen to this show. It's not that important around the holidays. If you hate your family again, I understand. But don't take it out by punching some guy at the Best Buy for a Vizio Plasma TV. Um, either way, Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to have episodes here on Locked on Panthers. Until then, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey. And follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where maybe on Wednesday, we're going to plan on that for now, We'll do a weekly mailbag. And who knows? Maybe I'll just record it on Wednesday and put it out Friday for all the sickos out there. Sorry, not the sickos. My loyal listeners here of Locked On Panthers. So at me or DM me at Julian Council. But first, click follow. Unfortunately, Panthers, as we know, lose 27 to 21 at home. I will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take care. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.